Anything Combat with Johnny K. Well, it's Anything Combat, though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat show, wherein we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by a UFC veteran who's fought everyone in the featherweight division. He's a modern-day ninja. He might be stoned right now. Um, he's fought everyone in the UFC. He can hit head kicks from any angle. Please welcome Bruce Leroy, also known as Alex Caceres. How are you, Alex? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. But next time, it should be Alex Caceres, also known as Bruce Leroy. <laughs> no, That's hilarious. Me Bruce Leroy, like it's my real name, but it's all good. Like it happens. Just before the show started, Alex and I were talking about just like um, substance abuses. And I was saying that, that alcohol is not an excuse for poor behavior because me personally every single time i've ever gone drunk i've gone no no aggression at all it's always been like oh my god you know this is the best i love you i love you i love you it's like positive i'm a happy drunk like i've never i've never gone out for a good time and looked for a bad time like that's just uh that's what it that's what it feels like to me it's like hey we're gonna go out drinking that sounds like a good time let me make a bad time out of it and that's the guy that's trying, trying to start shit I, um, a lot of it's a lot of insecurity, man. What I what, what I seem to recognize is um, you might not even know it yourself, but you might put people off when you step into a room. You know, somebody might be looking at you and not liking you because they feel that you're trying to be better than them in some way or another. And then that egotistical competition will have them do like very uh, how would you say underhanded shit just to like get one on you. So they'll escalate situations in a very uh, passive-aggressive manner. And, and that's why I rarely go out, you know? That's why I rarely go out, you know? Because, like, uh, what is it like? And I go out, if I do go out, man, I go out to, like, karaoke bars. You know, there's, like, no, there, there should be no beef there, you know? Like, but I went out to one karaoke bar, and I was sitting there with my wife, and just got back from singing and shit. And I guess, like, the dude's, like, girlfriend, like, maybe, like, made a comment of me, because then the guy turned around and just like out of nowhere, no motivation whatsoever. At least I didn't seem to, to me to be so. It's just like, oh, your fucking hair, it ain't shit, man. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. Dude, dude, they're, they're, they're angry with you. They hate us because they ain't us. That's yeah. what it is, man. <laughs> yeah, man, I be getting that. I, I, I get that shit a lot, man. Like, and, I, and like, I'm, not, I'm a person that doesn't look for trouble. But they'll call me a troublemaker because I don't like to back down. Of course. You know, but I'm not looking for it. I'm not starting shit, you know, like, and then people don't want to recognize passive aggressive, like, um, like, like, like passes that they want to make, make on you and shit. Like, it's like, they'll make it very easy for them to seem like the good guy or the righteous hero when you're just a guy throwing a temper tantrum. I want to, I want to add on that. So, so about calling out passive aggressive behavior. Whenever people have ever been rude to me in a passive aggressive way, I haven't gotten angry. I've just said to them, I've said, I've said, sorry, mate, or, or whoever it is. I've said, I feel like you're being passive aggressive to me right now. If you have a problem with me, I would like to talk about it with you or, or start anything for no reason. And, and every single time it's been either, oh yeah, man, I'm just really stressed out. Or it's been, it's been, you're talking about like people, you know, like, like, what would you do, like, in, like, because, like, I'm not, like sometimes I, I get myself caught in a, in a conflict, you know, because sometimes, like, I know what I, sh- what is right, but societally, like, I, 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 in society, I guess, like, you just get in trouble, but, like, like, I'll get this a lot, like, I'll go out with my wife a lot, and, like, people, like, like, address her as if I don't exist, 
We could be Why is that? I don't know. We could be standing next to each other or holding hands and shit like that. And then, like, 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 I remember one time, it was like a guy comes up to to my wife. He's like, "Hey, you." He's like, "Hey, are you with him?" Like, 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 and like, we're like, and like, it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like weird. It's like, I don't know. And like, or like other stuff. Like, we'll go up to like a window to like to to, to take an order. I mean, like to, to to get an order from like a restaurant or something. And then they're like, they'll just like the minute she gives them the order, they won't ask me, "Hey, what do you want?" No, it's just okay. They just start trying to close it out. I'm like, nigga, I'm here too. Like. <laughs> But like that kind of stuff, and it's always and it's always a male that would do that, you know, like in, in a weird like like I can step over it and like I don't know what it is. Maybe I threaten them with my beauty or whatever because they don't even know I'm a fighter. I look like a normal guy, no muscles on my under my shirts or anything like that. I look like a normal guy going around and stuff. But I don't know what the what the deal is. Maybe I look too meek, you know, no. or maybe I just look like Bruno Mars or like Lenny Kravitz, and the people are like like hating on me or something. I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think maybe. I know this is a terrible word to use, but maybe you just got too much swagger about you. You know what I mean? Like, I think they might be intimidated by your confidence, and then I think they don't I think know. That, that happens sometimes too. Like, people want to check my confidence. It's like, it's like, and I don't mean to be. It's like, it's like, but like, I, like to me, it's like that's like just being relaxed. It's like I want to walk. Like, you know, I'm just relaxed. Like, I'm not trying to like, uh, like puff my chest out <laughs> and just, like, just, like, just relax and shit like that. And. But yeah, man, uh, I, I guess it could be like, I guess I, 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 it's, I, I don't like to call it confidence. Like, I just don't worry. That, I, I guess that would be better. I just try not to worry. Yeah, that is, a, worry. that is a very, that's a very good quality, though. That's a very good quality. Having the line between when you need to uh, create action and putting, putting all your energy into that action. And then when there's inaction and you don't need to use your energy, not to worry. Because the brain wanders when you're not in actual doing mode. So yeah. that is a very, very good quality that a lot of people don't have. Well, especially, like, like most of the time, like, like yeah, you, I, my brain, like, I, I don't stop thinking. But, yeah, like, I think about all the scenarios. And, I and like, the reason why I don't worry is because I, I just think about a lot of things. It's like, who is this person challenging me first? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, okay, this guy's just a regular guy. He's not a top-tier fighter. I don't have to worry about getting into a physical confrontation with this guy. I know I'm going to win, so I'm not, I, don't, I don't have to push it there. But then, And then on the top of that, it's like, okay, this guy, let's say, like, if this guy was interested in, like, trying to steal my girl or overstep his boundaries, I'm like, well, like, I make more money than him. I, 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 I perceive myself to be prettier and stronger. And so, like, I, I don't feel threatened on, on, on those fronts. And when I don't feel threatened on those fronts, there's really nothing to need to worry about. And if like if I did have it, which I don't, I love my wife. You know, if I did have a, a wife that would that would be swayed by a normal person versus the person she has, then like oh that's that's your shit out of luck. You know, what I'm saying that's your loss in that sense. And I guess um, just knowing yourself, the more you know yourself, the less you're gonna worry about other people trying to take something from you because they can't take you from you. I want to bring to your attention a book that I read, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And one of the principles in that book was that he said, don't criticize others because you don't know how you would react in the same situation. Maybe, maybe these people that have been disrespectful to you or to me, maybe they've had such a terrible um, situation yeah. happen to them that it's almost like them being disrespectful. They feel like they're the hero in their story. So you shouldn't even judge them because their life's actually not inferior, but their life is shitter than yours. Well, yeah, that's exactly. That's what, basically what I'm saying. It's like, 
it's like it, it, but but in that sense it, it, but like in that sense of yeah you got to see what you're worth and when you see what you're worth you don't try to devalue anybody else and that's well said you know like that's perfect that perfect the way that it is and then if you know your worth you're not you're not worried about who uh, who abuses your worth because that's what they're doing with your worth that means they don't have to be a part of your value anymore at, at that sense like now you know who to weed out and that it, i guess that's the positive or the silver lining behind that because I did have like friends in the past and stuff like that, like fake people, I guess, you know, they try to surround you, you know, they're there when you're up and then they're gone when you're down. And then um, it's a good truth teller in that sense. It really shows people character, it shows people's character when you uh, can weed those people out. They do say that criticism does not come from those that are above you because whenever someone like, let's say GSP, right, has achieved so much in his MMA career, and then somebody loses two fights in a row, and GSP is talking to him, GSP is not going to say, oh, you've lost two fights, your dream is done. GSP is going to be like, think about how much you learned, you can still get it done. Because yeah. there's no there's no ego involved thinking that, oh, if this person succeeds, it's going to retract from what I've already exactly. done. Exactly. Like, that's fucking crazy. Like, I don't even know, like, that. that's what's always wild to me. Like, how the fuck, like, do you think that, like, me succeeding... Is gonna take away from your success. It's like, it's like, why is it so important for you, for me, not to succeed? Does it add to your success? If I don't succeed, will you succeed more? It doesn't make sense. Like, it's just because, like, it goes both ways. If you have one side, you're, it mutually, the other side's gonna have to appear. So, if a person um, wishes for you to fail because it feels like they might succeed, then they're obviously, if you succeed, they're gonna feel like they're failing. They're gonna have yeah. that equal and opposite reaction as well, and it's like, it's like, man, I have people in different weight classes in me competing with me. That doesn't make sense. Like, like, like in the gym, like, like, like I'm gonna do it better than you, and I'm like, nigga, we in the same weight class. Like, I'm never gonna see you. Like, we don't have to fight each other. Don't worry about it. It's just train. And then they yeah. wanna make it into like a stupid competition where people get hurt. There are people that think like because they have a lack of confidence in their own ability to succeed that when they see others succeeding that could be in could be could could be, could be comparable i feel like they think that they think that it, it it highlights their own incapability and their own inability to achieve in general so when when they they would rather have someone fail then then them be uh, shown the reality that they are actually not good enough to achieve what they think they they should achieve because they're arrogant because they haven't put the work in and this yeah. is the same with academia this is the same with physical health this is the same with sport and financial health when somebody goes through school i've just gone through school right and if you show that you've done well and you've gotten a good result, it means that you've put ridiculous amount of hours in, right? But somebody else who's who hasn't gotten that same result would rather you fail than them than them uh, be confronted with the reality that they do not put in the work and will not inherit um, the success by by not putting the time in. That's definitely the work is always hard, and uh, people are easily deterred 
and discouraged from doing hard work to achieve what they want. They, they, yeah, a lot of people feel like it should like fall in their lap as if talent is enough, you know, um, and yeah, it never is, man. Um, I've seen people that don't have as much skill beat people with a lot greater skill all the time. I don't think I have that much skill, honestly. I'm not talented whatsoever. I wasn't talented in any sports. I just had tenacity. I just kept never giving up, you know, like no matter what happened. I mean, I would say that maybe a talent or something that you've been blessed with is the fact that your frame is very good for fighting. But apart from that, there's a lot of people with your same frame that go zero and five. So Yeah, it's, yeah, it's understanding yourself, knowing how to use yourself and – yeah, I, like, I, I don't like to call it confidence. Confidence is like, um, I, I guess the confidence is a good word, but a better word, I just feel like it's just knowing yourself. It's like understanding yourself. And then when you understand yourself, it's like you're not afraid. You know, I feel like confidence is, is still combating fear. And when you understand, there is no fear. There is nothing to combat. Well, like, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I feel like confidence wouldn't be the best word. I don't like to use confidence because... I feel like that's combating against fear. You know, it's combating against inadequacy or of a lacking. When you know yourself or you understand yourself and you just have an understanding of who you are, you know, the things you know and the things you don't know who you are, then there is no more fear to combat. You know, there is no anxiety. There's nothing that you're putting up. I'm not putting up anything. You know, no fronts, no um, shields, nothing, nothing to hold my so-called confidence or pride or ego up, you know, it's just knowing yourself. I know that I can, like, I know how to walk for instance, and I know that I won't stumble if I walk. And I know that if I even hit a root that I'm able to catch my feet as I'm walking like that much, you, like you, you, you ever have like that kind of certainty in your certainty in your step? It's not a thing you think about. Exactly. And that's what knowing yourself is, is not thinking about it. You know, thinking about anything takes you further away from yourself and further away from reality as um, quicker than anything, you know, because then you start creating alternate realities that do not exist in your moment here and now. You know, when when uh, it, it's kind of like it's a hesitation. Thought is like a hesitation to your action, you know, or to your being or to your persona, the way you want to portray it in your expression. Any thought behind it is a hesitation is like a filter for instance if if you're religious and if you're political then you have already a religious and then a political filter in front of all your thoughts before they hit the world they have to go through what does what does not i say not what alex says but what does alex as a christian says or alex as a buddhist says or what is alex as a buddhist but who's also a republican you know <laughs> you know like there, there's so many filters oh but not only that i have to remember my national pride I'm also Dominican and Cuban. I got I, oh, I to do it for the Cubans and Dominicans. So I got to understand how was a Cuban and a Dominican would think. And then not only that, oh, but I'm black skin. So I got to do it for the blacks. I got to understand how a black person would think and feel. And as well as it, so many things, so many filters that you can layer in front of you that will cover you up. And then have you putting yourself into certain settings. You have to set yourself up in order to perform actions. You know, and I'm sorry, I'm going off on kind of in a rant real quick, but it's like how when people like, before fights, they have to get ready to fight. When it should just be you being fighting. There is no hesitation behind it. There should be no hesitation in front of it. Why do they have to get ready for fights? People say, oh, this guy doesn't warm up. And it's like, oh, because that's just me. I'm going to be me out there. 
I don't have to get ready to be me. You know, I'm always me. And that's what people fail to realize. That's why I just don't try. Like, I stretch a little bit, but, like, I'm always stretching. Um, you can ask my wife. You can ask anybody. If I'm, like, at the, we were at the theme park today, uh, uh, Rapids, and I'm, like, putting my legs on poles, like, stretching and stuff. You know, like, I'm always doing that. I'm always limber, always having myself being ready. I like to feel that way. But that's what I'm saying. There should be no hesitation in front of it. When you strike a flint, right, with a, with a stone, does the, does the spark wait to come out? <laughs> No, so you is to be natural is not to wait. To be real, to live in love, you know, is not to wait. It's to be it. There is no waiting or getting there or achieving it. It's just you. You are it. And that's that realization. I think it makes things happen a little bit easier. So you said that you were Dominican Republic and Cuban. So do you speak Spanish? Yes. How good's your Spanish? My Spanish, I would say it's lower lower end of moderate (laughs) (laughs) um you've been out for a little bit a little bit now has the ufc asked you about your next fight and when are you planning on coming back no i'm just waiting you know they know the deal you know i just yeah they give me a call and they tell me when and i'm ready to go i'm gonna just uh take you back to the ultimate fighter so what was that experience like for you and did was that enjoyable for you yeah, man, it was enjoyable. It was a, uh, to me, it felt like I, I had never been to like, 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 like camp, you know? So I felt, I guess it felt like what, what, what would camp be like, but for grownups, because we had alcohol and stuff like that. So I don't know. It was pretty fun. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, it was, it was fun. It was fun. We played a lot of pranks and just super crap, got drunk a lot and just fighting every week. So it was, uh, and we got to train with really great people. So that was an eye opener. How did your how did your journey start in MMA? Well, I got into a lot of I guess it, I guess we could say I just got into a lot of fights at school. I'd always be suspended getting into fights, so I ended up having like developing a taste for it, you know, or just not necessarily a taste for. It. I did like fighting, but you know, um, I guess for a more healthier reasons, for the right reasons. But uh, I start. I joined the wrestling team because my brother joined the wrestling team in high school, and but I and I joined, and then I was able to start wrestling in tenth grade, I believe, and then from there, that's when I met, uh, who's also my training partner and coach now too, Enrico Coco. Um, he joined the wrestling team, and he used to go to a mixed martial arts school, and he introduced us, me and my brother, to mixed martial arts, and then from there, I started doing it from from there on. And then I got into like doing like backyard, like underground fights. And then um, once I hit 18, I started doing professional fights. And then I met my manager because I was rolling with him one day at the gym. I didn't know who he was. He just came in. And then like, I guess we were rolling with him. He was like 200 pounds at the time. And then like I subbed him and he was like, oh man, you're pretty, you're pretty good. I weigh you and this and this and that. It's like how you want to like to fight professionally. And that's how I met him and he started put me set me on my first professional fight and from then on it was just history you know i got to the ultimate fighter out of a whim you know my brother says hey they're holding tryouts here in north carolina we just took a trip up there and tried out which fight would you say in your career is your greatest accomplishment um well man i couldn't i couldn't say uh 
I couldn't say there was a lot of great, there was a lot of good fights. I felt like there were like big turning points, you know, in my career, whether they were followed with downs or ups, but, um, it's hard. It's hard to say. Like I have a lot of, like I, when, when I, when I, when my mind thinks about it, I have, I obviously, I think about Sergio Pettis first and then I think about Yuhi Rodriguez and then I think about, um, the, the, my first, like, I felt like that's like my first knockout knockout, you know, with Jelena Rosa. And like, I guess like giving that, and then I also, but even the fight before him with the Korean, man, like that was a, like, it surprised me in having the, I guess the heart to get back up after being kneed in the face and almost knocked out and, and just like, I don't know what I was thinking of at the moment, but like, it was real at that time. So I really enjoyed that one. That fight with Yair Rodriguez, he's increased his skills tremendously. What do you think about him as a fighter and him against Alexander Volkanovsky? That's interesting, you know. He's good. I mean, obviously, he's good. He keeps running. I fought the guy. You know, he's tough. Um, he doesn't back down at all either, and he's very creative. Should be a good one, but uh, I don't like to make predictions. You don't like to make predictions, but... Um... I personally am going for Volk. I think he's going to win. So what do you think about that? Do you think that's correct or no? Uh, it's, a bit, it's a high possibility, you know. Um, but then Yahir is sneaky, man, and he could sneak one of those things in and catch him off guard um, if he plays his distance well, too. And also, um, I feel like I'm on a good rise, you know, and if I keep winning, that would be good. So... For my personal preference, I would like to hear Rodriguez to win because hopefully when he wins and maybe I can meet him there and then get that second fight with him and <laughs> for a title shot. That would be amazing. A good comeback story. What do you think uh, was your biggest like downturn in your career? Like, What challenge did you face? What challenge did you face that you had to overcome? I guess that was, that, that was more like in the beginning of my UFC career. Um, I, I think I, 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 I lost like two once I was like off of the ultimate fighter, like in the UFC, I think I lost like two in a row and then I won one and I lost two more and I'm like, man, I'm like doing horrible. And then we decided to, uh, link up with John Crouch and Ben Henderson at the MMA lab. And then I was really able to get some big help on my, uh, wrestling and ground game which really did was a huge turning point in my career too. So I think that was like the hardest part, you know, like I was really thinking I'm losing my good job. I just got, you know, and <laughs> this is like the, the place to be if you're a mixed martial artist. And so it was just kind of like, I, I saw it fading away, but um, made the right decisions and worked really hard at it. Benson Henderson is one of my favorite fighters. I'm trying to get that interview right now. We're, we're in talks. So I'm trying to organize that. Um, what was he like? He seems like one of the coolest guys in MMA. Yeah, he's very cool, man. Um, very chill. Very nice. You know, like I'm um, very hard worker. You know, when we're training, we're training. Like he's the nicest guy in the world outside of the gym. But when we're training, he's not, he's, he's not mean. He's just very just straightforward. He's like, man, we got to get this work done. Like, there's no time to play around. Do you think, I, like, I like that about him. Do you think that his career is not uh, appropriately, like, celebrated enough? Like, the fact that he's got three WEC titles and then four UFC titles. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, yeah, he dominated a lot. The You know, yeah, he was champion for a minute. And 
he was good. He was good, and he was exciting. I didn't see him not to be exciting. Like he did, like crazy stuff sometimes, most of the time. But yeah, he was just a very dominant. I guess because he wasn't outspoken and very like mouthy and stuff like that. I guess he was just very. I'm just. I'm just here to fight. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> After your MMA career is done, would you see yourself competing in maybe karate combat for fun or bare knuckle boxing for fun? Um, I don't know. You know, it depends. It depends how I feel at that age. <laughs> what do you think about those two promotions? They're good. They're they're nice. They're nice. Um, I like them both. Um, I've been to a couple of uh, karate combat and bare knuckle events. What was the what was the atmosphere like? Was it better or worse than MMA crowds? Uh, the bare knuck, I I would say generally the same. I said there's a lot of MMA people there. You know when I especially because um, when I go to the karate combat, it's here in Florida. So uh, most a lot of times it's here in Florida, and so I just see a lot of the MMA scene, all the guys that I know and stuff there, and they're all watching it. They have people competing in it. Um, they're very up for it. I guess in the Especially in the Cuban um, Latin culture, there's a lot of like karatecas, a lot of people that like really believe and love karate, and so they'll be training, they'll train MMA and karate and compete in both sometimes. That's sick. I told you who one of my favorite fighters is, but I want to know what who is your favorite fighter? My favorite fighter, if I have to put like a hands down favorite. And I like a lot of like the top fighters. Don't get me wrong. I I think the champ. A lot of the champions are great. Anderson Silva's is you know like he was a god. You know back in the day, just finishing people at will. But um, I don't know. I just love Genki Sudo. He was Genki a Japanese Sudo. Fight. Yeah, he was in the UFC for a while. He mostly fought in on Pride. Um, I just like the way he took it. You know, it was <laughs> it was him. It was him. Like he didn't hide himself whatsoever. You know, back in the day when they had like those crazy walkouts. Who did you enjoy training with the most? Who did you learn from the most? Uh, definitely training with uh, Benson, you know, and people at the lab because I trained there for six years. I was living out there for six years. And I trained there for a few years before that too, just on and off, like doing camps. But I really learned a lot from them, you know, like a lot of, like it, it really shaped a lot of my, uh, I don't know, my style. Like it, or it helped me express it more because I was, it gave me more freedom to move. You said that before your fights, you stretch maybe a little bit and then you go in there and it's your expression of who you are. Do you have any pre-fight rituals? Like, do you play any video games or something? Or do you uh, do, you, do, you do anything right before the fight that's different to others? Um, I don't know. I listen to music, um, just thinking about the fight, you know, letting all the thoughts run out as much as possible. Try to eat a little bit. Uh, I stretch, you know, and I don't know, man. Uh, I don't do anything too different, honestly. I once I get to the workout room, I just stretch. I'm I'm pretty, pretty in a lighthearted mood. I would say, I said like in a very lighthearted or excited mood. What music do you listen to? All sorts of music. Um, like I listen to the Beatles. I'll listen to um, Big Pun if he's playing. You know, I'll listen to country music like Marty Robbins or Buck Owens. Uh, stuff like that, like just random shit. What advice would you give to upcoming fighters to get into MMA? Like your approach is so different to others. What what could you tell them? Well, I mean, the best 
so far what I've been finding to be really, really good for me is not to look at it. And I, I guess I used to view it like this before too. Don't look at it as a job. Don't look at it as a career. Don't look at it as, um, bro, don't even look at it as too much of his lifestyle, honestly. Like think of it more as a hobby. You know, it's not that serious. You know, like there's, there's, there's more, there's more grave things in life than to worry about than whether you win or lose a fight. And if you're doing it at the highest level, just just do it the best you can. Like have fun with it. You gotta have fun with it. It's it's gotta be fun. Don't make it don't make it serious. Don't make it like never back down or some shit like that. You know, like <laughs> it's not a movie. There's a there's a Formula One driver, Kimi Raikkonen, and um, all these F1 drivers. They say, oh, cuts to them. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win. All these F1 drivers from all the different cars, Ferrari, Mercedes. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win. And then it comes to Kimi Raikkonen, and he says. You know, this is a hobby for me, and uh, if I don't want to do it, I won't drive. <laughs> and he's like, he's a, he's like a champion. He's like one of the best yeah. drivers in the world. So it kind of, it kind of um, validates what you're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I feel like that's where you're gonna find perfection. You know, when you're not thinking about it, when you're trying, you're thinking, and then it becomes frustrating. Then it becomes, then, then these all you have all these fighters, which is hilarious to me. All these fighters, I love fighting. This is the best thing in my life I, it brings me so much joy right before their fight oh, it was like why are you so angry i thought you love fighting you should be happy like i'm out there i'm grinning ear to ear you know I'm, I'm, I'm almost crying tears of joy as i'm walking out to the fight i'm like excited i'm like oh this is finally gonna happen the thing that i love the most i feel people if you love it the most then why not be happy about it <laughs> that's always strange to me i would say that you know People are pretty nervous going to a fight, but don't you think that that anger, like using that anger, that negative emotion to complete a positive task, don't you think that's like really productive? I feel like getting angry before doing something important, showing your emotions before doing the important task is effective to perform well. I, I would say um, I, I, I can hear that. I can understand where it's times, there, there are times when you need to feel that negative emotion and when you need to feel it, you need to feel it right. But a prize fight, you know, is not a negative thing. No one's attacking you. No one's trying to end your life. No one's stealing your resources. No one's trying to kill your family. This is a game we're playing, you know, as, as, as life is, as it should be, you know, in all life. But I'm not saying to go in there with negative emotions, but when I am training and I am building up towards this fight, the wave of emotion that I'm riding is usually a positive one. I have a good time with my training partners and friends. I have a great time practicing, exercising, learning new skills, and developing them and performing them. It's ecstatic to me. So I would rather ride that wave of emotion to a professional bout than ride that wave halfway and then switch my wave into another emotion in order to complete the bout. There's not the same amount of energy. I think I hit people harder happy than I do angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, when I when I do exams, I feel like if I'm happy, I'll fuck it up. If I uh, if if I do it scared, then it leads to like a good result coming out of but it. But it's not necessarily happy. It's um, I guess kind of in the middle. Just not just just being. Just not wishing. You're not wishing for a negative or a positive outcome. You're just whatever may be, may be. I'm just letting it happen. I'm just going to be there when it happens and I'm going to do the best that I can because that's all I can ask for. Um, when we when we get angry or if we get too happy, we begin to expect a certain result out of it. 
And when we do that and it doesn't come to fruition, then we are left disappointed and miserable. You know, but if we go in there with a mind of equanimity and then we, we go in there without expecting a result, not wishing for a certain result to, or outcome to happen, then whatever happens, we accept it fully and we're able to either learn from it or grow from it, no matter whether it be victory or defeat. And I think that's what has allowed me a lot of room to grow throughout my career and a lot of the ups and downs is that I didn't let the downs get me so down and I didn't let the ups get me so up. I just kind of kept it in the middle and cruised on the balance beam, you know, where it's a lot harder to walk that middle path. It's easy to rise and up and down with the troughs and the crest of the waves. But to ride the middle path is very difficult because you need balance. But I think that's what will keep you sane. <laughs> your one of your best wins, we just brought him up before, Sergio Pettis. So you submitted him. He's gone on to win the Bellator title and he's doing amazing things right now. Does that make you look amazing? Oh, I hope so. I like that he's succeeding. I love, I love that he's succeeding. He was a tough fight too. It wasn't like, you know, I, 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 I submitted him because like, you know, I caught him, you know, and it was, I, I, I came out of, I came out of a submission that he was trying to finish me and, you know, and I caught him like he was very skillful. So he was always destined for great things. That's for sure. He had good work ethic, you know, and like, you can definitely see that after that loss, you know, he ate it and got back to work and look where he is now, man. I'm proud of him. You spoke about the MMA lab before, and I just want to ask you about what is that What is that team like? What is the vibe when you go to training? Oh, man, it's, uh, it's definitely work. You know, we're definitely there to work. You know, we have fun. We can, we can talk trash and shit like that, but we're there to get the job done. I like that, you know, and we definitely – and I like the fact that they call it the lab because, like, they try to dissect the problem you know, open it up and, and solve it, you know, so we do a lot of that, a lot of good specific training, but what I did love most about it, it was, it was kind of like a, how would you say, like a university, um, not like, or, or like a, like a scholarly place, like, because it wasn't just the coaches teaching, you know, everybody came from a lot of different places, had a lot of different upbringings and different um understandings of the same maneuvers or techniques, and Everybody was allowed or was almost prompted even to give in their two cents, you know, to see how other people can do the same thing so that we can find the best way, if not the most efficient way to do things. It was a like a beautiful way of just coming together of minds. There was no ego. I wasn't above you because I trained longer. You might be able to show me something and I may be able to show you something. You've become um, throughout your whole life. You've been pretty retrospective. Um, do you read any philosophy and where did this, uh, where did this vibe that you've created come from? Did it come from a young age or did you read something that's, that flipped the switch in you? Oh, I guess I always been kind of weird since a young age as well. So, but I did like, and it did attract me to these, I guess, readings of books and philosophies and stuff like that. Um, I did read a lot of books, um, a lot of different, I guess they were philosophical, but I did like read a lot of science fiction. I did like a lot of science fiction. A lot of philosophical gems are hidden there in science fiction. You know, like um, if you ever read like Ender's Game, that's a good one. It's a good series or the Dunes, the Dune series as well. Dune, Dune, yeah. Okay, like that's a, and like, but I feel when you do, when you do something like, because a lot of people can... I do, I do love philosophy, don't get me wrong, but when you like go outright and say it, 
you know, it's a lot harder for people to understand, you know, but when you use fictional characters, you can actually play out the scenarios or the philosophical scenarios and be shown the understanding, I guess, like how people learn life lessons in Disney movies and whatnot. <laughs> Someone that does that really well is an author named uh, Fedor Dostoevsky. He, uh, he wrote Crime and Punishment, which is a really popular book, and he also wrote Brothers of Kar- Karamazov, who Jordan Peterson and Lex Friedman said might be one of the best fictional no- novels to ever exist. And he did that. He tried to play out a philosophical problem with characters. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know why I'm bringing that up to you, but have you read uh, Fedor by any chance? No, I haven't. Um, no, I haven't. Um, I've been um, – at the moment, I've been listening to a lot of um, Alan Watts, and I just started listening to Krishna Mutri. Cool. And, and yeah, they're – basically, it's a, it's a lot of Zen, a lot of Zen teachings, a lot of Taoist um, philosophies as well, just understanding that um, that we're we're so natural, you know, we're so na- we're so a part of this world. There is no separation, and that we shouldn't try to fight against it so much, or think that we're separate, or we're some higher being. We're not like some person brought into this world. You know, we're born out of this world. Like a flower is growing out of the ground. We're a symptom of life, so we're we're, we're bound to happen. Our consciousness is bound to happen, and it's just a uh, like the on and off switch, you know, the yin and yang, you know, you can't have one without the other. For instance, um, one good analogy he uses is like, you would never find a field of flowers without bees, right? Or you wouldn't find bees with, around the field of, uh, like in an empty place, you know, without flowers, you know, they, they, they arise mutually. Same way you wouldn't have light without a shadow. You wouldn't have um, an exhalation without an inhalation. You wouldn't have a trough without a crest. So when we understand these things, you wouldn't have life without death. So the fact that there is death, that means there is life after death because it's like on and off. It's life, death, life, death, life, death. It's just a cycle that we go through. And that unknown part is what we're always running from and what we're always afraid of. But it is us. And we can't know ourselves the same way we can't look at with our eyes at our own face. We have to use a mirror. You can't turn your eyes inward and look at your own face. You cannot touch your own tip of your finger. That will always be unknown to you. Same as the off switch will be unknown to you until you know it. <laughs> but you can't be here when you to know it. How spiritual are you? Um, I don't know how to um, take that word anymore, to be honest with you. Because um, I guess you could say in the sense that I know that I'm not just a spirit, you know. There is a, like just as much as this spirit is holding this body together, this body is holding the spirit in. I mean, it arises mutually. You wouldn't be able to have the soul manifest in physical form without a physical body. And this body is as much you as your soul is. And I think to deny one half of yourself is and say that this is not because look how we look how we even speak. We say we don't we don't say I am the body. We say this is my body as if who's the my but who's I who's the one that owns the body. You are the body. You are the spirit. You know, like, it's just who you are. You're just accumulation of things happening at the moment. That expression happening at the moment right now. What entity created spirits or souls? Um, I don't think there was any entity that created anything. I think this, whatever this thing is, what we're doing, what we're experiencing, this life, it, it's, it's always there. It's always been there. It's just, it is what it is. There was no beginning or end to it. 
you know, when we talk about and and the way that God in any religion or any philosophy or theology describes himself is always as the infinity. The infinity is always beyond time. Anything beyond time is has no beginning nor an end. So whatever it is, it's always been there. I I, I can't tell you what it is. You know, I never. Um, it, but it's you. Like that's all, that's all I can say. It's you. You're the you're the curly cue, curly cues of the explosion. You know, if if it banged out, you're just like the very ends of it. You're the buddings of the flower. Where you're just a symptom of what happened, or or what is happening, or is and continues to happen. <laughs> Do you think about this shit when you're fighting? Um, when I'm fighting, it's uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm kind of in the moment. No, I'm in the moment. I'm really in the moment. Um, before fights, yeah, like maybe like moments before the fight, but in during the fight, I really don't feel like I'm thinking too much. You know, a lot of times I like my coaches would set would would say something, and I'll just do it. You know, because I'm not. It's just like it's kind of just a natural reaction. I'm not even thinking about it anymore. There's too much shit going on during a fight <laughs> to be thinking how do you balance that personal life and fighting because you said you go to theme parks just before and stuff but what do you do to find time for training and family both well i go out with you know i don't know it's it's just regular life i train one one to two times a day depending on the day and that's like gonna take a few hours and that's it. I mean, I have the rest of the day and I'm chilling. I do whatever I want, you know, um, like to explore and I go traveling a lot. But yeah, I don't know. I, I have time. <laughs> what countries have you been to? I've been to Japan, China, Thailand, uh, Canada and Dominican Republic. What was your favorite trip? I think Thailand. Thailand was pretty dope. In a hypothetical fight between like a really big bear and a really big gorilla, and um, let's say for this for these purposes, they both have Alex Casera's striking ability. Um, who's coming out <laughs> on top? Oh man, um, that's a big size difference too. It's a big size difference too. I mean, the gorilla can weigh up to uh, six to eight hundred pounds, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and a bear is like twelve hundred to fourteen hundred pounds. Let's say they let's say they were the same size. I think the gorilla then, because it has more agility, I feel like posable thumb. Well, bears has opposable thumbs too, don't they? Do they? What do you mean? No, what do you mean? <laughs> they can move their thumbs? I don't know about that one. But they do have dangerous claws. But I don't know. I can't say. <laughs> I would say the gorilla maybe. Um, Same side. If you could fight in the UFC any fictional character from a movie, video game, or book, who would you pick? Or it could be like any any fighter previously as well. Mm. Um, fictional characters. Uh, it can be. It can be a real character. Anyone. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Anybody. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wanted uh, my first thing that came up to thing was Spider Man. I guess uh, the first thing that came up to mind, but it would have to be a, a dome cage. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> why didn't you pick Bruce Lee? What the hell? Oh, I don't know. Spider-Man seemed like, you know, you said comic books and uh, Spider-Man came to my head first. If you were stranded on an island with only one training partner, who would it be? The only one training, par training partner? Yeah, just like for the training. training but what are you going to do on a, stra a stranded island except train? Survive? <laughs> 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 like, 
<laughs> but yeah, like, after the survival's been achieved, you got to do something with your time, so you got to train. All right. Uh, well, I mean, the only person I know would be the hardest worker would be Benson, but it'll have to be young Ben. Ben can't be old. Um, <laughs> what do you think about Max Holloway versus Korean Zombie? That's going to be a firecracker right there. I, I sparred with Korean Zombie before, too, and he's tough. Doesn't loves to fight. So Max Holloway loves to fight. So it's always good when you see two people that like doing it. And, and that's what I mean. Like, you never see, like, Max Holloway or Korean Zombie in a bad mood. Yeah. Even in fights, they just look calm. If anything, happy. I mean, they can be competitive, like, talking shit. But that's, like, you can, like, that's competitive. They're, like, having fun with it. They're not, like so stressed out or scared that they that they turn it into they turn that fear into anger and i guess that's what i'm talking about like it's good to have like yogis call it like tapas energy you know like just extreme energy there's no anger behind it or no hatred behind it it's just you got to get intense but there's like it's not there's no animosity behind it. it's just like you know it's just an intense moment you know and you have these things sometimes like you could be on a dance floor right and if you're breaking it down you know i'm pretty sure you're gonna have an intense look on your face you're not angry you're not mad it's just you know, he's very energetic at the time. It's a doing emotion. Yes. So, like, but but um, this is what that that's why like emotion should be tied behind your action. You have should have emotional content, but it shouldn't drive your action. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be the motivation of your action. Like, I guess that that's what that's what um would bring you to like I guess have like misery I guess or any type of sorrow after the action. If it drives you towards the action or if your goal was achieved by doing that, it should just be put in, you know. And so, like you said, it becomes like a doing energy. It's just something that I'm doing at the moment. I have to get it done intensely. For instance, if you're if you're mining, the miners, I'm sure they're not angry at the rock, but they're hitting that shit as if they were. It just looks that way. But they know they have to put that type of force and energy, that animosity in order to break open the ore vein. <coughs> Do you think that Max's chin is going to hold up for the remainder of his career? Or do you think someone might knock him out in the next, like, four or five years? Um, I don't know, man. He's, he's been doing good. Takes a lot of punches. But anybody can get knocked out, you know, it just, you know, it takes the right, takes the right hit. <laughs> Let me think about what I want to ask you. I want to ask you something about, like, like you reading up and watching tape on fighters. Yeah, I don't like to do that. I don't do that. I just don't do it. But it's why? Boring. It doesn't. I, I feel like it doesn't doesn't make too much of a difference for me. Um, I don't like to fight that way, and and I feel like that I'm such. I don't like to use that word, but I guess I'm such an awkward fighter that no matter how much I study on a person, they're not going to fight me the same way. They're going to have to fight me in a different way because they're studying me, and they're going to be like, "Oh, I don't know how." And they're going and they always switch up the way they're fighting anybody else to fight me in a different way. So it doesn't really matter. So I just kind of just go in there and I fight because I'm pretty good at my skill set. I feel like I train martial arts for a reason to be ready for whatever situation. And also it adds to the test. I don't know. It's a little bit more uh, fun that way. <laughs> kind of going there not knowing what you're going to do, not knowing what he's going to do and see what happens. That's all we have time for. Thank you very much for watching and thank you, Alex, for coming on the show. Is there anything, any final remarks you want to say before we end the podcast? Oh, well, thank you just for having me on and it's been great talking with you. And for everybody watching, man, uh, hope you enjoy my next fights. <laughs>
follow Alex Caceres on Instagram, link in the description, and subscribe to Anything Combat on YouTube. Thank you very much, guys. Bye.